The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Hey, welcome back, Googleization Nation, uh, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show. Uh, we continue to hope you, your teams, your families are safe and staying healthy. Today, I'm welcoming, welcoming back my guest, uh, Mike Spermuli. Uh, so Hello. welcome back, Mike. Uh, and we've got some very special guests uh, from Adapti, a company we're going to be talking a lot about in today and the next few weeks about adaptability quotient. So we're going to be joined uh, in a few minutes by Ross Thornley and Mike Raven. Uh, Mike, uh, you and I have uh, been friends for 20 years. We won't go into that whole story again, uh, but I'm sure it'll come up. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, uh, just about 20 years ago. And I, when we first met, I was I was involved with another, well, a couple different assessments we had in common, uh, but this quality of motivation. And, you know, that sort of kind of captured our imagination. And, and uh, we worked on that for a number of years. Uh, and this, the, what we're going to be talking about today, this adaptability quotient, is something that I haven't been uh, as excited about in, you know, since uh, for, for almost 20 years. I mean, we've got some great tools uh, that measure everything from typing skills all the way up to uh, senior level competencies. Uh, but, but the adaptability quotient, uh, the timing for it and everything else is just phenomenal. So really excited about that. Well, as I was getting ready to, to come on the air with you here today, I was thinking, boy, you talk about timing being dead on. Whether you like it or not, everyone's having to deal with adaptation in some form. So this is a, a perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about. Yes. And and uh, I mean, it's not just us, um, but Harvard Business Review has called uh, adaptability question a quotient AQ. Uh, many of people may be familiar with the emotional intelligence or emotional quotient. That's certainly been quite the rage for the last uh, 20 years since Daniel Goldman introduced it. Uh, right. So, we, you know, again, on a, I would say on a daily basis, I get a, a call or a contact from a client or a new prospect uh, that's looking for, you know, how do we test for emotional intelligence? But adaptability quotient, uh, you know, especially with 2020, uh, is the, the research shows, and I know Ross and, and Mike will be talking about this, that only about one in four employees, workers, have the ability and the character to, to actually um, adapt yeah. at, at the pace of change. So uh, again, we're going to get into the, a little bit in the background of that as well. So anything new and exciting in your world this week? Uh, I had a couple of bears visit us, uh, which is a common occurrence, and they play in the pond, and it's they're, they're bulking up for winter. So, uh, so, so were, they, were they wearing masks? 
uh, no masks, <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, they're uh, they're out and about. This is uh, the big crush before they hide a little bit during the winter months. So they're nice to view from afar, but you yeah, definitely I, don't want to get I, too I, saw, close. I saw some of those pictures on uh, from your yeah. from your from your deck in your patio. So yeah, a little, little social distancing there. So a lot of social distancing, that, yeah. especially when a mom has multiple cubs. Uh, you stay in the house. <laughs> you stay in the house <laughs> yeah. regardless because right. as, as lovable as they appear to be, one swipe with their claw and you're in the ER. So yeah, pretty pretty much so. So yeah, well, well you you. I keep it easy that way as well. Uh, so I, I want to get into um, bring Mike and Ross on uh, sure. shortly, but we've got a big an another announcement that's coming up. Um, you, the, we interviewed her a few weeks ago, uh, Joyce Joya. Uh, Joyce has been uh, she's she's uh, president of the Herman Group. She was with that with her husband, uh, Roger Herman, who passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago. Uh, so she's still leading that. Uh, she's been heavily involved with everything from the World's Future Organ, the World Future Society and another group. So she's a futurist. Uh, and uh, she and I have been um, we met about uh, a while ago, but I've been reading her newsletter for years. And um, she is, we're going to start doing a special segment beginning next week, um, each week on a, a hot topic. And it's going to be, the, the segment's going to be called The Head of the Curve, Normal 2.0. Uh, she's been writing a lot about uh, HR, work, people, industries, business, um, even lifestyle, well-being, uh, health care, uh, in what in the new normal, how how change is uh, really affecting us all and every business that we're in. So we're going to be doing a short segment each week uh, for about 10, 12 minutes. Uh, we'll have a brief discussion. She'll tell us what she's working on or something that she wrote about. And uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. So beginning next week, uh, we're going to carve out about 10 or 12 or 15 minutes there. Uh, and we're going to be talking with Joyce. And uh, so really excited to, to bring her on. Uh, but right now, let's jump into this because I, I'm chomping at the bit to ask him yeah. some questions, get a little bit of background. They know you are too when we talked. Uh, so we're going to bring on uh, Mike Raven, Ross Thornley uh, from a company called Adapti. Uh, they have developed a revolutionary assessment called AQAI. We're going to talk about how AI has been involved with that. Uh, and uh, just to give you a little bit of background, they can share a little bit more, but their, um, I guess their mission statement is transforming the way people and organizations adapt to change. This was in the works long before the pandemic, but couldn't think of better timing. And they've got quite an audacious goal uh, of ensuring that no one is left behind in the fastest period of change in our history, which is true. You know, they've heard me talk about that oh, yeah. a lot. And uh, their goal is in the next, uh, within this decade, to help 100 million people measure and improve their IQ, or their AQ, not their IQ, but their AQ. So welcome to the show, Ross and Mike. So hopefully they're coming on board here. There you go. Yeah, they are. Hey, so welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Great to be here. You heard a little bit of the pitch coming on. Um, so either of you can can handle this first question. Uh, you know, I always ask, it's, uh, you know, most people didn't necessarily grow up uh, thinking, this is what I want to be when I grow up. You know, I thought I was going to be a dentist, and I was, but haven't done that in 25 years. Uh, and they realized it wasn't for me. So there's a lot of people in, the, in, in those boats, uh, people that had to adapt. 
But where did this come from? I mean, I know this has been a passion of yours for the last few years, but how did focusing on adaptability come to be your your life's passion and purpose? I'll let you go, Ross. Sure. It's, it's a great question, isn't it? How do we... How do we stumble upon what we find ourselves in? You know, is it by a vision and a destiny that we have clarity when we're young? Oh, I want to be a dentist and you are. I want to be this and you become it. I think for, for me, my journey has been one of an entrepreneur, finding problems that matter, falling in love with those, and then the solutions show up. So for myself and Mike in our, our journey of branding, marketing, organizational growth, innovation, we stumbled across this problem and challenge of change not happening quick enough. People, as you said, you know, our mission statement of not, not being left behind. We saw great risk of huge pressures, companies going bust, teams falling over, people losing their jobs through failure to adapt in some situational form. And so really it came about from trying to help organizations be relevant to grow, seeing the problem and then wanting that solution, you know, wanting to know how people adapt, needing a tool to measure it didn't exist. So we thought, well, there's an opportunity, let's create one. And really that's what sparked it a number of years ago to collaborate with people all around the world to look at how do we assess this, this thing called adaptability? What does it really mean? And then more importantly, how do we improve it? So it was a problem we saw, problem we faced in helping organizations. And, um, you know, you get excited when you start taking the first steps on the path, Ira. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and just going back, I just want to clarify something because you started out saying is that change wasn't happening fast enough. You meant people weren't adapting to change. Yeah. Change is certainly happening fast enough. 100%. <laughs> I think which has created the problem. Change has been consistent throughout life. We've adapted throughout life. But it's when is there a disconnect between the pace of change brought about by convergence of different exponential technologies, sensors, robotics, computing that are displacing work, displacing tasks. You layer in a pandemic like COVID and we find ourselves accelerated into a future of remote working, of uh, many business models no longer fit for purpose. So not changing fast enough, we're talking about people's behaviors, systems, you know, propositions, uh, those sorts of things, not necessarily the environment. So yeah, great clarification. Yeah, and, and one of the things that uh, popped up and I, and I was introduced to the, to, uh, the people in the book, um, there was uh, one in your documentary, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, but always trying to give people examples about the impact of exponential change. And, and before the pandemic, a lot of people didn't understand what that was. But when we look at linear, linear versus exponential, and in the, uh, a new book called The Adaptation Advantage, uh, and I believe one of the authors was in the mini documentary, they talked about, uh, most people are familiar with technology advancing at Moore's Law, you know, doubling every 18, the, the speed of processing and the cost dropping every 18 to 24 months. And they gave this analogy, and I think I mentioned this last week um, in, in the show, that if the Volkswagen Beetle progressed the, the same trajectory as computer processing did, that the Beetle today, the VW Beetle, would travel 300 miles per hour 
get 2 million miles per gallon and cost four cents. <laughs> and the, the problem is, is that technology advanced at this extraordinary speed. Equipment and vehicles sort of grew at a faster rate, not sort of at the same trajectory, but people haven't, <laughs> especially in the HR, in, in the world of HR, we're still using tools and we'll get into that whole thing, but tools that were developed in 1950, <laughs> like a job application. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think there's, um, something on that 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 speaks to our brains and our ability to compute um versus the actual computer chip and law's law was originally focused on you know the the computer chip and the processing power mm-hmm. so that processing power has proved true that law in that specific niche of um, computer chips and processing whereas like you said ira for for the human brain our ability to keep up um, with that change is is impossible. You know, we there's a lot of rumors and statistics, you know, thrown around about you know how much of our brain we actually can access uh, and how much of our own computing power in our heads um, that we can access. But it's it's absolutely true to you know to say that the um, you know the slowest period of change you'll ever experience that all of us will ever ever experience is right now. <laughs> You know, and uh, that's that can be really scary for a lot of people when they really think about it. Um, for others, it can be really exciting. You know, there's different sides to this fence, and there's those that choose to sit on that fence and say, "Well, you know, I don't really want to focus on that right now. That's uh, we'll just I'll just take it as it comes, or I'm happy being blissfully ignorant, you know, to <laughs> to what's coming, and that's fine. You know, we we need people in all in all you know, facets of that fence. And um, we're just, you know, Ross and I are lucky to have purposely and intentfully invested over the past five or 10 years in being able to get glimpses into the probable future. And I think that's where this came from for us of um, a laser focus on adaptability, where we're quite, we've been quite uh, lucky to be in that unique position to to see what is coming um, and go, wow, there's a tidal wave and <laughs> what can we do to um, prepare the world for it? And it was just really crystal clear for us um, that it was AQ and adaptability. Well, I'm glad you did it. So, uh, Mike, Mike Spermoli, any anything going through your head? Well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is the question of how easy is it for someone who might not be all that naturally skilled to adapt to change, if they want to be able to improve those areas compared to like, let's say cognitive abilities, which are pretty much, they are what they are. Uh, and a lot of personality characteristics are set in stone. Behavior is adaptable. Uh, where does the, the adaptability quotient line up on that continuum as far as ease of being able to modify, assuming someone wants to improve their ability to adapt. I think if I'll take that one, Michael, the, there was a couple of really key triggers that you mentioned in there in terms of desire, if somebody wants to. Mm. So that's one of the first steps in any future vision of ourselves. We have a future vision of ourself that is hopefully better than the version is today. Right, So we see ourselves as a positive entity at some point in the future. And the clearer we are with that or how 
ambitious it might be, we then might have the paths and skills in order to put the work, put the development, put the hardship in place in order to achieve that. And adaptability is one component of creating our futures that is an abundant one, that keeps us relevant, that means we get up and are faced with a point of smiling that's authentic, not one that's dark and fearful uh, of that uncertainty. So in terms of how easy is it, I think that's a really very tough question <laughs> to, to answer. My belief and some of the research shows that in certain areas, it's easier than others. And some of the key components of that is our surroundings. You've perhaps been familiar with the term of with some of the five people we spend the most time with. Right. Our adaptability is also true. We can be influenced by our surroundings. So to make it easier to adapt, surround ourselves with other people that are adapting, it then gives us confidence that it's possible. We learn from them pathways in order to achieve it. And we start to develop the skills required because we see and believe it's possible in, in others. So I think how easy it is, is, is contextual to your vision of what you're trying to achieve, to the current skills you have, uh, the levels of desire you want, and your ability to create pathways and strategies around it. And what I've just described there essentially is the core components of hope. You know, to have hope, you need those those things. You need vision, you need the skills, and you need a pathway and strategies to it. And without hope, there is no adaption. There is no change in any system, human or otherwise. So might, that might give a little bit of flavor to the answer is yeah. that it's possible. You need the desire and some of those other components, and you work on it. Yeah. I, if I could just add something to that and give a, an example, because... Just like we know that trying to create a new habit can be really difficult. There's a lot of science and neuroscience behind habit forming. Um, if I wanted to, and I've actually done this, if I wanted to, to do more yoga at home, I would put my yoga out, my yoga mat out in visible sight every day. And it's a, it's a cue. And I say, oh, okay, right. You know, I've got to remember to do that today. It makes it easier by taking practical steps. If within a cue, for example, there's an opportunity to improve your resilience. Perhaps um, you would set up some cues, some reminders, some visual reminders. You know, there might be triggers of a something you print out and put on your wall, a post-it note on your, you know, on your laptop that just says to you, you know, focus on what you can control. You know, it's little. There can be little cues that we can do. Um, you know, very intentionally. Um, to make things easier for ourselves to to shift our AQ a little quicker than perhaps um, the traditional education system that, we, that we've been taught of how to change and improve something. So leading up to that, there, there's actually a number of different dimensions that you've identified that people can work on. Some, um, again, it may be hanging around with a different group of people changing your job, finding a better environment. But there are some personal things that we can do. So you identify uh, basically overall 15, there's 17 dimensions, but there's, there's 15 that affect us and then the rest would be more on the team. Before, But before I get there, I mean, we may do that right after the break. I, I'd, I'd like you to share with, with the listeners 
how you got there because there's a, pr a pretty impressive journey that you you were involved with Singularity University, which is maybe the most renowned organization looking at really adaptation to a new world and creating that. But you know, IBM was involved, um, UN. So kind of let's go back. How did we get to this point? And then we'll when we come back from the break, we'll talk about where we're going. I'll try and do it succinctly for you, Ira, and things in terms of, you know, a, a journey starts with a commitment, a commitment to doing something a certain way. And then the way in which we did it was through collaborations. Rather than starting a complete slate, we wanted to look at what already exists, what research is out there, what research is at a credible level. Um, so not just a small little pocket that's been done that isn't been validated or peer reviewed or exists in a, a scientific community. So um, reaching out to top behavioral psychologists, professors at different universities to start the conversation about what components make up adaptability, what work has already been done. And I think that's a great way to start anything is to do some research and see what exists. What is now relevant today? what's changed, what's missing. So there were certain components that we felt hadn't been researched yet. So we needed to do some primary research, some emerging things. This talk about unlearning, for example, another one of the dimensions, there hasn't been much peer review or understanding of looking at how does that function uh, in organizations. So we, we spent 18 months in developing the model we invested over half a million pounds in building that assessment, the platform, the validity, and going out to organizations to do real research. You know, you mentioned IBM, uh, HSBC, different UN agencies, so that we could collect data. Because whilst we might have past research, we might have our research we're doing and hunches and all of these things that we're combining, the real work comes when you're getting that data in and the data can then look at saying this works, it doesn't work, it's not reliable enough. You know, we did some dimensions based on the big five personality traits, and the reliability was just awful. You know, is it like 0 0.2, 0 0.4? And we felt that's not good enough for us. We need to be better. Uh, and that's where things like different technologies, AI, machine learning started to come in to really build a robust and valid model. So it's been a journey that we just feel, Ira, is at stage one. We're at the forefront here and we're wanting to continue our research to, you know, to improve our understanding, to improve the model uh, as we go along. And that's an important part of our mission rather than saying, oh, we've got something now we're just going to commercialize it for the next 50 years, which perhaps is how it was done before. You know, a personality assessment done in the 50s on paperwork, it might have then been digitized, but fundamentally it's the same science and hasn't evolved through new sensors, new data, new information. And that for us is important. So it's a journey that's been going in relative terms, we feel a long time, two, three years in research, but in real terms, we're just beginning. And we're so excited in, in the work that we'll be developing the understanding of adaptability uh, on, a, uh, on a really interesting way of all the different components. 
so, so to get here, um, again, you you went through the research, you, you looked at what works. It, it's fascinating because Mike and I, I mean, that's our our world. I mean, we we live in the world of the big of the big five, the five factor model, uh, and and again, it's still from a job fit. It's still sort of the best we have. We it's, know it's it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's why we started there. It's the best that currently exists in our view, academically, of a valid model, um, and. You know, just think about what's in our hands and opportunity now compared to even just five years ago, 10 years ago, on our level of ability to understand people, um, the technologies that might seem to oppose us or displace us could be the ones that help us understand each other even more. And being open to that could unlock so much more opportunity um, to, like you say, of fit for role or for new roles that don't even exist yet. That's the biggest challenge. You know, how do you prepare people for something that you don't know what they're preparing for? And that's the world we're living in. And uh, that's where I think there's so much unique opportunity. It's particularly scary. I mean, starting with, um, and again, there's been a number of books that have, that have addressed this of, of, you know, asking a high school student uh, or a high school student asking some, a, a kid in, in grade school, which is when I decided I, I was going to be a dentist, uh, and then too stubborn to change my mind throughout those <laughs> throughout those oh, years. Um, but, you know, so young, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And uh, even for college students, and now particularly as, as parents and grandparents, uh, you know, a thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year uh, for an education, and people get focused on it, and by the time they graduate, the skills that are required are completely different. So, you know, obviously the number one skill is, is adaptive. One of the skills that we need to teach people is how do you, how do you learn? How do you unlearn? How do we adapt uh, to those environments? And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back from a break. We're going to take a, a quick uh, two-minute break here. Uh, you are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Uh, we've got our my guest co-host, Mike Spermoli here, and our special guests, Mike Raven and Russ Thornley from AQAI. Uh, we will be talking uh, more about the adaptability quotient in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. A lot of you might be feeling like you're standing in deep shift. But do you know what grows and rises out of deep shift? Opportunity. To successfully navigate the shift to the new normal, each of us must learn to rapidly adapt to the speed of change. Some of us are hardwired for this. Others, not so much. That's where Success Performance Solutions can help. Success Performance Solutions is now your AQ headquarters. Whether you are personally struggling with the next chapter in your career or wondering how ready your team is for fast, disruptive change, 
RAQ Assessment and Coaching will provide you a detailed, scientifically-backed roadmap to guide you into the new normal. Optimize your adaptability today. Contact Success Performance Solutions about evaluating your team's change readiness or joining our upcoming AQ Masterclass. Visit SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com or call us at 800-803-4303. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, we're here with uh, my with my co-host, uh, Mike Spermuli, and my guests, Mike Raven and Ross Thornley. Uh, we were talking about AQAI. Uh, we're going to continue that conversation. So, guys, uh, you saw the commercial there. We're talking about opportunity, lots of opportunity out there. Uh, despite all the uh, bad news. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I thought the other day is, you know, kind of the passion, the purpose is to have a hundred, to reach a hundred million people, to help them boost that. And it, it sort of sounds elitist because it's a hundred million out of what, seven billion people <laughs> are going to help do that. And I think that goes back to the earlier conversation uh, about not everybody wants to move forward. We still have this desire to go back normal go back to the way it was and it's just not going to happen <laughs> so so mike if, if you can mike Spumoli, if you can put up the, that uh, adaptive chart the adaptiotic chart um it'll, it'll talk about this so mike and and ross maybe you can kind of fill us in because you, you came up with i love this um uh, because most of us remember maybe in somewhat painful i i, I was a natural science. I was a science major. So obviously this was my day in and day out. But, um, you know, this is this sort of creates the roadmap uh, for an organization. And you, you created your ACE model. And then particularly what I was fascinated by was the change readiness index and also the reskilling index. So if you can give us a, a brief background on this and, and also then we can talk about which of these areas turned out to be the most important that companies need to focus on? Perhaps I'll just do a, a quick two minute and then hand over to Mike as well for some some input. It, it's interesting, isn't it? We're in a uh, a show, geeks, geezers, and Googleization. And for the geeks about us, me included, the adaptiotic table just you know it felt too. Uh, too good to to miss and i have to give credit actually to our product lead uh charlie who coined uh the adaptiotic uh name so I, we we had this visualization as it started to manifest from our initial model you mentioned ace and that's about ability character and environment and it's those three core pillars that through our research we found uh, are components to inhibiting or accelerating adaptability. So the ability is how and to what degree does do I adapt as an individual? The character, a little bit more aligned to personality, but this is things like who adapts and why. And then a really missed piece in so many assessments is the environment context. So when does somebody adapt and to what degree? And then, as you mentioned, all of these 15 sub-dimensions that are components of those core pillars. And what, what was interesting for us in, in deriving this and where we had certain sub-dimensions, where we believed they would sit, and then where the data told us they would sit. So for example, grit, we initially put in our beta research as a character trait. And, you know, we did a lot of work, you, many of your listeners might be familiar with, um, 
uh, Angela Duckworth's work in, in Grit and some amazing, you know, when you look at the data, that this is an ability. This is something that you can learn and mm-hmm. develop. It's not just a character trait. And so before I go into too much detail about these things, you know, we wanted to have a holistic view that was science and evidence backed, but then also practical that could deliver a roadmap for people to see where they are currently, but more importantly, how they can improve it. And we can start to predict future outcomes. So by taking different components, different sub-dimensions, having the matrix and weighting of those to predict a change readiness of individuals or teams and a reskill index. So based on perhaps things like their unlearning, level of hope, their mental flexibility, we can start to predict how long or how easy or how much support they might need in reskilling. And that's just so critical to know from an individual and from management and development perspectives so that you can deploy your resources effectively and so much opportunity within that. I'm sure Mike can uh, add some of his you know, flavor and experience in developing this model has been one of a collaborative approach with lots of different uh, inputs to get to this point. Yeah, sure. I, I think a couple of things, you know, spring to mind when I think back to when this, you know, the birth of this started happening, you know, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, our, our belief um, and I think the scientific community are now starting to really, you know, come on board with this is that, you know, character and personality, those things aren't actually as permanent as we're led to believe by um, some corners of the world. And um, therefore, this fits into our belief of AQ being malleable, you know, you've been able to boost your AQ and change it, um, because it's quite dangerous if you're stuck in a box. Um, it's no, you know, no one wants to be stuck in a box. Um, and just as we had, um, you know, I, I do remember the list was maybe 50, 60, 70 different potential traits of, of AQ at the start. So that was slowly getting, you know, each one was getting crossed off with, the amount of research that we were doing working with ie business school you know different professors and and uh yeah uh, it, it it started coming together really beautifully into this ace model um which made a lot of sense and you know we've uh, i wanted to add here that we've been doing um of relevance right now some um additional research into um, a group of individuals that we um we surveyed using our assessment tool before covid and we've we've um, taken a second assessment of them recently to look at you know what's the relationship between um, burnout, between high stress and anxiety, and engagement of those people in you know in their workplace. And for those who back in January pre-COVID had this um, good sense of their of, a, of their adaptability, of understanding how they respond to change, why they respond to change, which is where this ACE model comes in, um, have actually thrived a lot more um, through this COVID period. They're less burnt out, they're more engaged um, and far less um, anxiety and stress levels than the um, the greater populace, which were actually a lot of people at quite dangerous rates. So um, I think it highlights to us that the, this ACE model can be used in so many different applications, but you know, we had to start somewhere. And for us, that was in through, you know, the lens of employees inside organizations and um, 
you know, that's where the environments part comes into play. You know, your team support, the, the different structures in your workplace, um, what that feels like to you. And, you know, because of course we have an environment at home as well. We have an environment, like Ross said, of the people that we spend time with. Um, so what excites us is just the amount of research still to be done because it's, um, it's, a, it's a job to be done that will never be done. <laughs> yeah, and there was just, and I, I'm going to see if uh, Rebel can uh, put this up. It's a long URL, but we'll make sure that uh, you can, we'll get this out to you. Uh, but there was an article that I think just uh, was released yesterday, maybe. I think I got it from uh, you guys uh, in Wellbeing Magazine. And I, I don't know if some of this came from there, but it talked about the three B's, burnout, breakdown, and boredom. <laughs> uh, you know, coming from this. And it's another re it's another area where we could use that scrolling along the way. So you might want to, uh, again, we'll, we, we can get this for you, but uh, there, there was this article about it and uh, that there's more just than saying, oh, this is just for business. Uh, this can be used in for everybody, but in every organization about well-being, because there's certainly, uh, you know, a lot of stress, a lot of mental illness, a lot of depression, um, confusion, distraction, the whole, you, you name it, uh, uh, coming forward, going forward. I yeah. want to pick up on that, Ira, and, mm -hmm. you know, certain words might mean things to us in different contexts, and we might have a belief about them. Uh, that might be built up from our biases or past experiences compared to maybe what the research or academic elements are. What we were really cautious about doing is just becoming a research institute that never created real life value. You know, the, the rubber never hit the road. Well, we have um, enough we, of those. <laughs> you know, yeah. we were never able to action, um, you know, better lives for people where they, you know, were able to have future careers that they couldn't even envisage or imagine before because we've helped them understand and give them the roadmap and components to do it. Even if we just take resilience, for example, a lot of people when I, um, you know, have conversations and they see resilience as someone who can weather the storm, that has endurance, that can put up with something because they're resilient, we feel quite differently about that in terms of resilience is an ability to bounce back quickly when something goes wrong. And that doesn't just happen at work. To come to your point of, of well-being, uh, I remember for myself, my wife and I had a trip booked uh, to go away. Uh, it was something that we were looking forward to. COVID comes along and says, sorry, you can no longer get on a plane and do that. You know, are we then in a state of depression do we moan about it do we blame the airlines do we blame whoever it may be and for weeks and months are we in a situation where uh, we're not in a happy place well if we've got high resilience we look at not only what door is closed but what doors are open and we bounce back to a point in which we can see positive other outcomes and futures and if we can build these types of things of adaptability it does extend so much beyond work you know this is in our lives with our you know family in all areas where we can thrive in change thrive in uncertainty in this kind of world so we're we're so passionate we hear stories every day where people are you know leveraging 
just improved relationships, improved opportunities, because they become aware of this and they then can do something about it. Come back to your point, Michael, uh, about, well, how do you do it? How improvable is it? How easy is it? It starts from awareness. It starts from understanding and then a commitment with the support around with tools like this and having people like Ira, you know, with all of your experience and all of your background, plug in to help people leverage data, leverage assessments and be aware of just what's coming, what's out there in the world so that they can, uh, you know, utilize it because it's no good if it stays in a hole of research or academia. And, and Mike Raven, uh, you had just uh, posted something uh, in our chat here on the side uh, about a, a new Salesforce study. Did, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, it just came out, you know, very recently, maybe even today, I think. And, you know, the the, the statistics show 69% of people are, you know, deeply concerned about their mental health. You know, so there's an awareness of, of what's coming and um, there's an awareness also of self and how am I being impacted by um, what's going on in the world right now? And, you know, we, we have to be acutely aware of that. And I think it's a, um, of course, it's a responsibility of self, but we all have loved ones. Um, a lot of us have colleagues. Some of us uh, have some responsibility, you know, towards those colleagues, a lot of team managers, you know, all the way to CEOs. And um, being aware of this right now is really important. And, um, being very selective about the um, the tools and instruments that that can um, aid this process of shifting towards being able to deal with uncertainty, you know, being able to get even towards being excited by uncertainty, and um, you know, <laughs> I think you know a lot of pe a lot of people will find their teams very thankful in the long run um, if they start to focus on on adaptability at this, especially at this time. You know, when um, when COVID hit, we, we were actually told by one of our closest advisors to say, You're, um, you need to get going. You guys are embarrassingly late for your own surprise party. Um, you're, <laughs> you're needed right now. So, and it kind of was a was like a, you know, a rocket up our bums, you know, to say, right, come on, we, we need to, we need to uh, get this to the market. Um, the world has said, okay, <laughs> you know, we're ready for you now. But. Yeah, oh, absolutely. This is perfect timing. Hey, we just have a few minutes left, and I and I I, I want to make sure you got we got enough time to wrap up. I know you got a couple things coming up. You did a great mini documentary, so we want to make sure people can get there. But I, I did have one question um, leading up to that. Uh, that you guys have well, one is you have a master class coming up uh, in a few weeks. You have certifications. I know there's a lot of individuals and a lot of consultants. I know I've already gotten inquiries about that. Can we get certified in this? Uh, so we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but the, the one, one of the things that fascinated me that certainly got me engaged with it, other than the concept, was how you take the assessment. We're, we're so used to, here's a question, uh, here's a statement, do you agree or disagree with it? Briefly, yeah. kind of share your, how people actually go through this. It's a great point, Ira. And we, so the assessment is done via a conversational chatbot. And for for many, you know, I remember one conversation with somebody who, you know, did it, got halfway through, and said, "This is not for me. This just seems way too out there." Um, you know, and for others, uh, going, 
what a breath of fresh air. You know, it just felt like a conversation, less like a test, an assessment. And surprisingly, the, the, the latter ones were from pockets of the UN. You know, I'd worked with the UN, Mike and I have for a long time, and they were just crying out for an, an experience that felt different. But it's not just about feeling different. We're seeing people showing up as their authentic selves when we're doing it in ways where we might not realize part of that conversation is being utilized to gain deeper understanding of how people are behaving, what pressures they're under. So that, that was one part. The other part is then part of the roadmap is to provide training, learning, and uh, coaching accessible to many people. And AI and chatbots can play a part and play a role in that. So that that was one part, you know, really important piece to give an assessment experience that uh, is unique, that provides a competitive advantage of the data that you're acquiring and an experience that is more engaging for users. So we're, we're having good feedback about that. You mentioned a couple of other bits. Uh, certification, I think Mike's going to be best to talk about what we're doing there in that area. But the two parts of the masterclasses and the documentary film. Documentary film, um, it, we've just been delighted by the response and impact from it. Uh, our brief was simple. It was to create an emotional connection and conversations about adaptability. And uh, credit to the director and his team. Uh, the director is a chap called Nick Nanton. He's now a 16 times Emmy Award winning director. And we managed to leverage a collaboration to get a mini documentary. And I'm sure we can get the link out for that. Yep. Um, it's actually, you can watch it on YouTube. It's Seeing the Invisible. Uh, adaptability in the future of work and it's and that, uh, and that's actually up on my website i have it i put it up as a blog post great success performance solutions.com and just go to the blog and it's one of the more recent and it's there. There. Yeah. And we've had amazing feedback and that's just to start the movement of conversation about adaptability matters let's work on this and this is a muscle that is a key to abundance and that's such a powerful piece that started so many conversations. And the masterclasses, yet yeah, we're beginning a series of all these people that we've picked up along the way of experts in their unique areas from authors. You mentioned uh, Heather McGowan of The Adaptation Advantage and Barry O'Reilly on Unlearning. He was one of the faculty at Singularity University. These people are part of our community and we're wanting to share them uh, during masterclasses to go deep uh, in this. But for consultants, uh, coaches, you know, maybe learning and development managers, um, Mike, perhaps you can talk a little bit about what we've got going on there as well. And qu and quickly, Mike, okay. I, hate to, I, I can go on all day with you with this, but uh, we, we got like two minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, very briefly, it's, it's we're excited because next week we're taking our first cohort uh, through that certification program. It's, it's three days two to three hours per day, um, all live and interactive. And from all, all corners of the world, all walks of life from, um, you know, wonderful senior sort of talent professionals through to business owners, through to um, you know, consultants and leadership coaches. So that's going to be really exciting. We've got four more running this year. And then uh, next year, we're going to develop that further to support all those people that want to and need to be involved in this AQ movement. 
And, and I know your masterclass was initially looking at companies that could put 50 people in there. And um, for anybody who out there is listening that would like to get involved but doesn't have 50 people in their company or that they want to sign up for that, uh, we actually have a cohort that's going into that. So if you're an individual uh, that wants to participate, uh, just contact me. It's actually the first link up on the successperformancesolutions.com site. Uh, you can register that. Or if you have a, a group of five or more, uh, we will actually be able to pull out your team report for that. So you don't need the 50 people. So uh, you can go out there, as I say, go up to successperformancesolutions.com. And it's the first button right at the top. You can get information about that. Um, the scrolling uh, was scrolling across the bottom of the screen uh, was the Adapti. There it is. Uh, so if you want to learn a little bit more about the certification, uh, you can go up there or reach out to me uh, and you can do that. Uh, Ross and Mike, any final comments? Quick one from me. Just uh, the power of adaptability is something that we all can leverage. It's although, you know, you mentioned, is it elitist at 100 million in context? Many other top assessments have taken two decades to even get to a million, let alone 100 million. And we need the help of motivated people that care about the well-being and the futures of society and, and humanity. And um, we're so proud to have you in our world, uh, Ira. And we're looking forward to a great adventure. It's been a, a real pleasure to be here. My first live show. So thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks. Mike. Um, yeah, just for me quickly, um, again, the same sentiments. Just love collaborating with um, with guys like you. And it really makes um, this all more meaningful. And um, I guess a message to anyone listening that um, we're, we're going through a lot right now. And, you know, you can deal with anything. Just give yourself permission to stop, permission to recharge, you know, permission, even if it's just, you know, to reset for 60, 60 seconds um, between doing something. Sometimes that's all you need. Um, so give yourself a break. Um, give other people around you a break and um, just support each other. And, yeah, just be involved in that conversation about how to adapt or when to adapt. And uh, we'll, we'll have a much, much bigger future than any of us can imagine. Yeah, I'm so, and again, very grateful for you guys. Glad we came across. And as you always say, uh, uh, opportunity to co-elevate. Love that term, co-elevate. So co-elevate all the way right there. So you, you, you and I will definitely be in touch and hopefully a lot of other people. So really appreciate you taking some time, Ross and, and Mike. I know you got a, a lot on your plate. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Ira. Thanks, Michael. Stay safe. Thanks, guys. guys. Uh, Mike, we we Michael, we've we got a few seconds uh, left here to wrap this up. Any quick comments? This is exciting. I mean, you know, we've both been in the assessment space for over 20 years, and there are always new tools coming out on a regular basis, but different ways of measuring the same thing. This is this is new. So I'm excited to see where this ends up going because I haven't run across anything like this uh, in, in all my years of doing this type of work. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, so uh, we'll be talking a, a lot more about this in the future, including next week, uh, Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We'll be back Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we will be having, uh, again, more conversations about that. And next week, we're going to be introducing our new segment, uh, Head of the Curve, Normal 2.0 with Joyce Joya. Uh, until then, 
Uh, don't let the shift hit your plan. And if you want to listen to any of the, the replay of this, it'll be on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, and also, uh, basically, any of your favorite podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, whatever, whatever I missed. So we're out there. Uh, in the ether, any, anywhere in the ether, just think uh, uh, geeks, geezers, Googleization, yep. and it shall appear. We're there. Well, next week, everybody, take care. Bye-bye.